Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When you woke up this morning, did you come to God with an expectation for Him to move in power today? In this week's episode, Pastor Francis Chan shares the importance of approaching God with expectation and faith. He explains how he believes there is a new season at hand for the church in America where faith is tested and worship is elevated. Now is not the time to compromise in our worship towards God. He deserves and expects our very best, wanting to see unity in his body. This message was taken from Forerunner Christian Church on May 8th, 2021. I'm very excited about tonight. I asked the Lord to interrupt the service, that if in the middle of my message he wants me to do something different, I asked him, please, please speak to me. Because I do believe this is a new season, and I believe it starts now. Father, help us surrender everything to you right now. Show us if there's something we're holding on to. We want to release everything to you and truly treat you like our Lord. So, Father, we surrender these next few minutes to you. Show us if there's something you want us to do right now. You are our King. We worship you, King Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I was, uh, I was on my computer and I watched an interview that I did just yesterday, that they, they filmed me yesterday doing an interview. And when I heard my voice, I thought, wow, my voice sounds terrible. I, I just, there was, there's no strength to it anymore. Now, when I was in Hong Kong, every week, people would try to bring me medicine for my throat. And I kept thinking, why do they keep giving me throat medicine? But this morning, when I heard my voice, I thought, oh, that's why they gave me medicine every week. I mean, one lady brought me this tea that had like roots in it and these big bees, like black bees. It tasted terrible. But every week people would bring me remedies and none of them worked. And this morning as I was listening to my voice, I felt like God was speaking to me. And I was so grateful that my voice was fading. I was thanking him that for so many years I've used this voice to talk about how great he is. There were times when I would preach so much that I... I no noise was coming out of my mouth. And I was so thankful to God because my voice is not supposed to last forever. And I was telling the Lord, I want to use every bit of it to tell people about what you are like. I would love it if my voice just keeps fading, 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 and I use it all up before I, I, I go to heaven. I told God, I, it, when, when I can't speak anymore, you know, maybe I'll, I'll just write. God, I just want to proclaim how great you are with whatever is left of me. So I began to thank God that my voice was weak because it reminds me that my life is fading. It helps me know that the end is coming. I want to use whatever is left of my voice, whatever is left of my money. I want to use it all for the kingdom. But there was something else the Lord was speaking to me this morning. It felt like he was telling me, that part of the reason why my voice was weak was because I was trying too hard in the flesh all of these years. 
I wanted people to understand how great God was, so sometimes I would scream at the top of my lungs. There were times when I would preach like 13 times in a weekend because I just wanted to get the message out. But I believe God was telling me that this is a new season in my life, a season where I believe so much more in the power of the Holy Spirit. A season where I can rest and not think that I'm doing it by my own power or my clever words. But I believe the Holy Spirit is right here with me. This morning I I prayed to God. I go, God, let me see what's happening spiritually in this room. It's like that story in 2 Kings chapter 6 with Elisha where he asks Uh, God, please open my servant's eyes so that he can see what is really going on. I've been asking the Lord to open my eyes to the spiritual world so that I stop trying so hard in the flesh. And I trust that the resurrected Christ is with me. I believe we're entering a new season as a church. I've never been so uncertain, but so expectant. I really don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks, but I expect something. I don't know what the Lord wants to do today, but I am expecting something. When the disciples walked with Jesus, I feel like the longer they walked with him, the more they expected something. Probably the first time when they saw Jesus perform a miracle, that probably surprised them. When they saw him turn water into wine, they must have thought, how did he do that? But then the sick would come to him and he began to heal them. So imagine being one of those disciples. It seems like you keep seeing more and more miracles where people would bring a paralyzed body and Jesus would just raise it. And then he started to raise the dead. So imagine walking with Jesus. You never knew what to expect, but you always expected something supernatural. So I believe they grew in their expectation. But sadly, I feel like churches in America often do the opposite for people. The longer we are around, the more we know what will happen and we don't expect anything supernatural. You think, okay, it's time to go to service again. And I'll wait on the Lord again. And we'll sing some songs again. And then they'll give some more announcements. Then someone will give a message. And there will be a response time. And then we'll go home. And we begin to assume we know what's going to happen in this room. But that is not the way the disciples lived. They lived with uncertainty and expectation. That's what we call faith. If we believe the resurrected Christ is in this room with us, then we should expect him to pour out his power in some way. So I've been praying for the grace of God on my life and on your life so that we would come with expectation that God wants to change you tonight. He wants to do a new work. He wants to show his power, but we have to have faith. So I've been praying, God, give us faith today so that I really expect something from your spirit. Did you come with expectation today? We need to come with expectation. If we doubt, we won't receive anything. God sees us right now. God loves us. He 
He wants us to bear much fruit. I believe this is a new season in my life, and I believe it is a new season for the church in America. As I prayed about what to teach, I feel like the Lord was just saying, keep teaching the Bible like you've always taught the Bible. Keep teaching the things you taught at first, but do it with more power now. Do it with an understanding that it's not your words that will change people, but my spirit. As you teach, abide in me. Because if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So I thought as I'm starting to, to serve here a little bit, I thought, let me share what I shared when I started my church. 27 years ago, the Lord called me to start a church. And I still remember the first passage that I preached on my first Sunday. It was out of Malachi chapter 1. And I want to share that same passage with you right now. So it's the same thing I shared 27 years ago. But I have this faith that it's going to be different this time. Because he's given me a, a better understanding of his presence with me. Back then, I, I, I didn't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has shown me so much over the years. And by his grace, he's given me a greater faith in his love and power. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fierce as a Lord of hosts? To you, O priests who despise my name. He starts off by saying that a son honors his father. Now, I know that's not necessarily true nowadays, but back then, the sons really honored their fathers. In fact, Old Testament law even taught if you had a rebellious child, you were to stone him to death. So the sons honored their fathers. And in my home, I make sure that my children honor me because I believe that's what a father is supposed to do. And while my earthly father did not do everything right, I am grateful that he had me honor him. And so, so God says, a son honors his father and a servant always honors his master. And so God says, if I'm your master, how come you don't fear me? And, and I notice this, this happens in the church where we'll call him Lord, but then we tell him what to do. That's a very strange thing for a servant to do. Back then, no servant would tell his master what to do. But he would come with a fear and a reverence and say, Master, what would you like me to do? We have to be a church that understands that he is the Lord. Now, he wants us to feel the security as sons, but we still respect him as our Lord. And he's, he's speaking to these priests and he says, you've despised my name. And they go, how did we despise your name? In verse 7, he says, by offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you by saying that the Lord's table may be despised? When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? He was saying these priests, he goes, you, you're, you're polluting my altar. You see, because they were bringing sacrifices to God, but they weren't giving him their best. 
They had perfect sheep, but they would find the one that is blind and offer that to God. And I remember telling my church, I go, I don't want to be that kind of church where we just give God our leftovers and we don't give him our best. We, we live in a time where people think that as long as I give something, God is happy. God is telling those priests, no, that's evil. He says, when you have something good and you give me your leftovers, he goes, is that not evil? He said, you wouldn't even give that to your governor. And you think that I, as God, will accept that? And so when I started my church, I thought, oh, God, I, I want to give you my best. You deserve the best. I don't want you to look at our offerings as evil. I don't want to spend the best on myself and then give you whatever's left over. I remember one time there was a lady in our church and uh, she had bought a new piano. So she donated her old piano to the church and then she got convicted and she went back to the church and said, actually, give me my old piano back. I want to give the new one to the Lord. I thought, wow, what a beautiful picture. Why would I take the best and give God the one that I'm done with? In verse nine, he says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. I remember those verses surprised me. The first time I read those, I was so surprised because I grew up in a youth group and the youth pastor would do everything he could to, to get us to sing to God. So even if we sang a little bit, he would get so happy. He'd go, oh, good, you're, you're, you're singing. So I always pictured God being the same way, that he's happy that we just showed up. He's happy if we put anything in the offering. He's happy as long as we sing, even just a little bit. So then I read that passage. I'm like, whoa, that's not true. God tells these priests, he goes, you think I'm going to be happy with that offering? And verse 10 was so convicting. He says, I wish someone would shut the doors. He's talking about the temple. And he says, I wish you would shut the doors because he was insulted by these blind sacrifices. He goes, really, that's, that's what you're going to bring me? See, God would rather us not worship him at all if we're not going to give him our best. He's not like a dog where we eat and then we just throw him the bone. He says, if you're going to come in here and just give me half of your heart, then just, just close the whole place down. Just sell the property and give it to someone who will actually worship me. I don't want to be a part of a church where God says, I wish they would just close that place. That he would rather not be worshipped than to get half-hearted worship from us. He says, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. And I love verse 11. He says, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. 
God says, I am a great king. And God says, a pure offering will be offered all around the earth. He says, so my name will be great among the nations. So if you don't want to give me your best, don't worry, don't bother. Someone else will. We have brothers and sisters all around the world that are giving God their best. They're sacrificing their lives for him. And God loves that because he's a great God. And this is not just the Old Testament. Jesus was the same way. Jesus was even stronger. When he told the people, look, if you're not ready to leave your family for me, then don't bother. I'm a great God. He goes, unless you're willing to hate your father, mother, wife, kids, children, you're not worthy to be my disciple. See, despite what you think of God, God believes that he is great. And he believes he deserves my best. See, sometimes in America, we want people to worship God so badly that we just go, oh, just, just show up. Just give him a little bit. And we're just so happy that people showed up. That's not the way Jesus was. He had thousands of people in front of him. In John 6, he had thousands of people. And when he was done preaching, there was only like 12 left. And he says, are you going to leave also? Why? Because God believes that he is worth everything not holding on to some of your sins, not continuing to do things even though you know he doesn't want you to. Maybe some of you are in relationships that do not honor him. You can't have both. We have a great God who demands our best. And he says that is the greatest command, that you love him with all of your heart, all your mind, all your strength. When I continued to read in Malachi chapter 2, it was... I had to read it several times because I go, did God really say that? He says in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. I remember reading verse 3 specifically. Oh, did God really say that? Well, he's talking about the animal sacrifices. Now think about all those animals and all the dung that they left behind. God says to the priest, if you don't repent, I'm going to take the dung and I'm going to spread it on your face. I thought, whoa, God said that? You see, there were unclean parts of the animal. And, and they would take all of that outside of the gates to be burned. So God says to the religious leaders, I'll spread your face in that. I'll take you out along with it. Look, I, God has shown me so much about his love and grace and mercy over the years. And I am so grateful that I know more than ever that I am loved by God. But that does not mean that he is not a God to be feared. See, we always want to do one or the other. And God is all of these attributes. He is a terrifying God who is to be feared. 
And when we understand that we need to fear him, that's where our security lies. When you understand how serious he is about his name, and we come under that lordship, then suddenly we are the most secure people in the world because we're the under, under the protection of that almighty God. But my prayer is that we become a congregation that gives God our best, and we don't just toss him our leftovers. He's a great God. God, even right now, show us if we've been giving you leftovers. Show us if we are not treating you like a great God. Holy Spirit, reveal to each individual how they need to repent. I want to confess that tonight I didn't give God my best in worship. I remember seeing the dancers over there dancing with all of their heart. Now, let's be honest, I, I felt too embarrassed to dance. I just, you know, did one of these. And I'm going, God, I want to dance like that. I want to be free. I want to dance for him and not care what anyone else is thinking. And I felt like I just needed to confess that to you. Because I believe there are things like that in our lives. Where you're at work and you want to tell people about Jesus, but you're just a little too embarrassed. You, you want to be extravagant in blessing someone, but then you have this little bit of fear. And, and you, God wants us to give him our best. And, the, you know, I think about how David was dancing and, and he didn't care who was watching him. And I, and I just remember it's, it's almost like, you know, when you're in, in a, you know, junior high, middle school and, and you want to you be cool. It's almost like some of that never leaves you. You're concerned about your image. You're concerned what other people think. Rather than seeing that there's an almighty God in heaven. And I, and I just picture God going, really, Francis, that's what you're going to do? God, I don't want to hold back. And I don't want to hold back in my love for you. Jesus says that we are supposed to love each other the way that he loved us. He went to the cross for us. And sometimes we, we love each other a little bit, but we keep our boundaries because we don't want to get hurt. Well, God says, that's not what I asked for. I, I commanded you to love each other in the same way that I loved you. This is what will change the world. Jesus promised it. He says, this is the way they'll know that you are my disciples. When you love each other with his love. And I dream of that day when there's a church that gives him their best. And they love each other with all of their hearts. God says that's when there will be a power to this place. It's not about one person having a gift. He says that's not going to change the world. He says, it's when you become perfectly one, then the world will believe in Jesus. And so I believe this new wineskin is about love. I believe this new wine is about love. God is going to pour out love into us and give us a desire to love one another. And this is not American. In America, we want our privacy and we want to protect ourselves. America is all about setting up boundaries for yourself. Where Jesus says, no, I'll go to the cross for you. And that's, the, that's the love that our great king demands of us. Father, right now I pray that your love would fall upon us. God, we need a miracle. So we get rid of years of boundaries. Because you are a great God and you deserve our best. You gave us an example 
You left the glories of heaven for us to wash our feet. How dare we refuse to do that to one another? We want to be your disciples. We want to be servants like you were a servant. We want to sacrifice for each other. By the power of your spirit, would you change our hearts right now? Fill us with a supernatural love from heaven. Resurrect us, Jesus. Please. Have mercy on us, God. We want to be pure like you are pure. We want to be holy like you are holy. Please cleanse my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks.